Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. I must say, I'm clearly the odd man out here. I'm clearly the odd man out. I don't think the federal government should be passing any laws with respect to local police departments. Where is their evidence? for systemic police abuse. Where is there evidence for systemic racism? They have absolutely none. I have spent all day looking at the scholarly research. All day. All you get are platitudes, ad hominem attacks. There is no statistical support, which means evidence. that the police departments in the aggregate are systemically abusive or systemically racist. In fact, there's no evidence whatsoever that George Floyd's killing, his death, will not result in a just outcome with respect to these officers. None whatsoever. As a matter of fact, the evidence is that local, state, and federal authorities coordinated, worked together at warp speed to charge the first officer and then the next three officers. And if they're found guilty, depending on the competency of Keith X, none of them will ever get out of jail. This is an excuse by a failure of Washington, D.C. over the last half century to effectively ameliorate the conditions in our inner cities 
and to avoid accountability and responsibility themselves? This is an excuse by some in these communities who don't take personal responsibility for their own families and their own lives. This is a political event for the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party media that want to take no responsibility for their party, one-party rule in these cities and these states. And in fact, as they do with so many issues, have succeeded in exploiting this as a political issue with which to attack the president. The Republican Party, of course, runs scared. Even though their fingerprints are on nothing, they're afraid of being called racists. Front of the line, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney has volunteered to be the go-between between the African-American community and Republicans. What does that mean? Which African-American community? Which African-American leaders? And Republicans? What you're seeing now, also, are purges. Like good old communist purges. In colleges, against professors, in colleges, against administrators. The purging of movies, the purging of books, the purging of military bases, if possible. I thought I'd seen everything a few weeks back when we had soft martial law by these blue state governors and some Republican state governors violating the Bill of Rights of the federal constitution, closing down businesses, closing down churches, opening abortion clinics, opening up Planned Parenthood, opening up liquor stores, punishing gun shops, and on and on and on. I thought I'd seen everything. But no, we've seen more. Now, every institution's under attack. Who says our voting system isn't systemically racist? Most recent tweet by LeBron James. So the voting system is systemically racist? The economic system is systemically racist? Our governing system is systemically racist? The police are systemically racist? How about the people who keep talking about systemically racist? Are they racist? I think they are, many of them. They certainly seem to be. And most of them are class A hypocrites. They sit back, do videos, conduct interviews, go on Twitter. That's pretty much the extent of their civil rights activity. But all of these people, to my thinking, who embrace the hate America ideology, all of these people, whether they do it wittingly or unwittingly, who seek to undermine all the foundational institutions of our society, all of them. Have no desire to promote serious, 
serious change in the inner cities and beyond. I haven't seen a single one of these individuals promote school choice in the inner cities, which would help, first and foremost, minority children and their parents, where they can be involved in the selection of the better or best schools in and around their communities, whether they're private schools, parochial schools, or public schools. No. I see no support whatsoever for law enforcement of any kind in these communities. The ideas coming out of Washington, can you imagine Washington's going to manage our local police forces now? I talked about this the other day. What they've done to the FBI, what they've done to the Department of Justice, what they've done to the intelligence agencies... That same federal government now is going to manage local police forces? No. A disaster. But all the reforms involve what? Not punishing criminals. Not punishing recidivists. Punishing the cops. Based on what? Based on what? The facts don't bear it out, but it doesn't matter. Every institution's under attack by this mob. And the funny thing is, they control many of them. Conservatives don't control the public schools. Conservatives don't control the inner cities. Conservatives don't control blue states. Are they conservative basketball players? Who are they? Are they conservative NFL players? Who are they? I don't know. Well, the owners, Mark. The the vast majority of them are cowards. The vast majority of them are Democrats, liberals. Just like the NFL commissioner. Just like the NBA commissioner. But it doesn't matter. Why should sports dictate what goes on in this country? Why should the top one one-hundredth of one percent of the income earners who cry crocodile tears, why do we give a crap what they have to say? I don't. I just expose them. And they're not alone. So now we're going to have reforms, you see. I even hear conservatives on my favorite network. I hear conservatives, yeah, all we have to do is this and do this and do Just get rid of limited immunity for cops. You get rid of limited immunity for cops. These slip and fall trial lawyers are going to sue them, sue every city. They're going to continue to buy mansions, live in these systemically racist communities, you know, which is where all the wealthy leftists live, apparently. It is a way to destroy policing. The reason there's limited immunity in the first place is you've got these slip and fall lawyers, these ambulance chasers, and they will sue anyone for anything. And it's not a matter of the truth. It's not a matter of justice. It's an extremely expensive and grinding process. You'll have left-wing nonprofit organizations funded by Soros and the Koch brothers and others who will use this as an opportunity, as the left and the radical libertarians always do, to exploit 
to advance their agenda without the benefit of the voters. I am challenging right now the race baiters when it comes to the society generally and the police forces in this country specifically to give us the statistics. They can't. There aren't any. When you read John Lott and Heather McDonald, Daniel Horowitz and so many brilliant, brilliant people, they go through the numbers. I've gone through the numbers. You cannot even make a case for systemic abuse by police uh, departments nationwide. And you can't even make a case for systemic racism in police departments nationwide. We're hearing propaganda being pushed by cultural icons who are destroying the very culture in which they live in the lap of luxury. Books, movies, faculty, administrators, military forts. It won't be enough. I know this because Oprah Winfrey, who's worth $2.6 billion yesterday, said it's not enough. Finally, finally, she says, with a gaggle of hardcore leftists, finally, what do we do once and for all to address this issue of systemic racism in American society? How many of you would change places with her? All of you. The irony of this is just incredible. Incredible. Heather McDonald in the City Journal writing the people who live in high crime neighborhoods understand more about policing than the anti-cop agitators and I might add than anybody in the Congress. Since the early 1990s when the homicide toll in New York City topped 2,000 per year tens of thousands of lives have been saved thanks to the New York Police Department's highly responsive data-driven policing. That policing model known as CompStat, holds precinct commanders ruthlessly accountable for crime in their jurisdiction. It has driven homicide down 86% from 1990. They've gone from 2,000 per year to 319 in 2019. Isn't that a success? Isn't that pro-minority? Isn't that a good thing? Most of the lives saved by suppressing crime since then have been black and Hispanic. At the same time that the department has lowered crime to levels that would have been viewed as unimaginable 30 years ago, it has radically cut its use of lethal force. The NYPD has among the lowest per capita rates of officer shootings among big city departments nationwide. In 2018, the most recent year for which full data are available, The New York Police Department recorded the lowest number of shooting incidents since records were kept first in 1971. 35. And the lowest, 35, and you got 10 million people. And the lowest number of subjects shot and killed, five. 35 shootings, five killed. Four of those suspects were threatening officers with guns or knives. The fifth reported as being armed by bystanders, pointed what appeared to be a gun at the responding cops. 
The New Yorkers who live in gang territory still fear lawlessness and implore the police to bring order to the streets. And the stats just go on and on and on. The police have vastly improved the living safety environment of these communities. Vastly improved them. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Joe Biden absolutely, quote-unquote, believes systemic racism is present in law enforcement. Joe Biden was in the Senate for 36 years, and he was a vice president for eight years under the first black president of the United States. If he believes today there's systemic racism... That means it didn't start today because it's systemic. Joe Biden worked with segregationists on a crime bill. He worked with Bill Clinton on the crime bill. He worked with Barack Obama on a whole host of issues. The Attorney General of the United States, the first one under Biden, excuse me, God forbid, under Obama, was Eric Holder. He was Deputy Attorney General under Bill Clinton. He had the highest law enforcement position in the land and the second highest. What did he do about systemic racism in our police department? Loretta Lynch was the second. African-American woman, former prosecutor. What did she do? What did Obama do? There is no systemic racism in our police departments. They didn't do anything about it because it doesn't exist. Now it's... Now it's an issue he hopes to ride into the office of the presidency. I'll be right back. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the 
essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western Theological Tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now, to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com, levinforhillsdale.com. Conservative and proud of it. Call the Mark Levin Show at 877-381-3811. Every Republican must vote against any more stimulus spending. Whatever the administration's proposing, I have no idea. They must oppose any more of this spending because it's not stimulus spending. It is a massive debt that our children and grandchildren cannot recover from. It's an impossibility. We are destroying this society, one institution after another. I want you to listen to Ami Horowitz. Ami Horowitz is a name you should remember. He goes into communities. He does serious, tough interviews. He even takes his life in his own hands. It's certainly his well-being. And he went to a community where uh, Black Lives Matter was protesting. And he went in there with actual statistics. And I want you to hear how he was treated and what was said. And this is the nature. The nature of an ideology and a revolution based on ideological purposes and not actual purposes. Cut 18, go. I'm Ami Horowitz, and the protests that have convulsed our nation are based on the premise that the police are racist writ large, that they target black people for death. But the statistics don't support that conclusion. In fact, the data shows the exact opposite. According to the Washington Post and a new joint study by Michigan State University and the University of Maryland, which tracked every police shooting in every precinct across the country, it found that more white people are killed by police, both armed and unarmed. And controlling for crime rates, white people are disproportionately killed by officers. In fact, when there is a police shooting, black citizens are more likely to have been shot by black officers. So I went to a Black Lives Matter protest to explain my findings. Spoiler alert, it didn't go well. It's not a race issue. More white people are killed by the police than black people. A lot more. The Washington Post. Most of the black, of black people who were shot and killed by the police were killed by black police officers. That can't be a race issue. Why? Do you think that black lives don't matter? Why are you here? Of course, black, here. of course, black lives matter. I'm, I'm sorry. Do you care about the data? Did you hear us? Like, I heard you, but I'm curious. Can we, can we have some conversation? The data doesn't support that there's racial police brutality. More black people, all more unarmed. All the way off. All the way off. So you, you don't you don't care about the data? All the way off. Your data can go set the same. You're going to go people who are killed by cops. Now they're shoving a sign in his face right now. Shoving a sign in his face. Go ahead. Hey, there's a bunch of over there. You can go 
Unbelievable. And the other thing you will not hear on ESPN 1, 2, 3, 12, 14, 700. The other thing you will not see in a LeBron James tweet. And he wants to be out there. He wants to be one of the leaders in this movement. Another thing you will not see on the nightly news is the fact that 90% of the murders of black people are done by other black people. And rather than try and figure out how to solve this, they just ignore it. But these are real human beings and real families. Real human beings and real families. A lot of people who would like to live and families who want their children back. And yet we're focused on an ideological agenda that has no support when it comes to factual, knowledgeable information. None. Washington, D.C. doesn't want the facts. They'll pretend they're going to fix this. So the enemy now is the cops. It's the war on the cops. A war on jello, systemic racism. Oprah runs to TV, $2.6 billion Oprah with multiple mansions. Finally, we're going to address systemic racism. Finally. Now, what do we do and what do we demand? Excuse me? You don't know? By the way, I would ask Governor Cuomo, all the other Democrat governors and the media who were screaming federalism, federalism, federalism. They're not screaming that today, are they, Mr. Producer? No. They want to federalize local police. And do what with them exactly? Manage them? I mean, is the ha- have the House Democrats even come back yet? There was an excellent piece in the American Thinker by Laurie Regan. And she focuses on Washington, D.C., but it could be m- many cities in this country. D.C. mayors and Democrats take a page out of the, pal- take a page out of the Palestinian Authority's playbook. In the Palestinian culture, children are taught from birth that Jews in their homeland, the state of Israel, just stick with me, because it's not about Israel. It's about America. Are evildoers to be exterminated. From the minute they enter preschool, their teachers, textbooks, and class presentations revolve around hatred of Jews and teaching martyrdom, that is violence, through the killing of Jews. Families who lose a child or strapped on a suicide bomb vest and blew up Jews receive an annual stipend of $25,000 for the rest of their lives. Families of children who attack Jews and who are arrested and jailed also receive quite a nice sum of money, as long as their criminal uh, relative is in prison. But the ultimate recognition for a Palestinian terrorist is to have an arena, street, or square named after them. In the United States and other civilized places in the world, We do not teach our children to hate and commit acts of martyrdom. 
We do not pay families to incentivize them to raise terrorist children, and we certainly do not name public venues or roads after violent criminals. We do the complete opposite, in fact, teaching respect for human life and dignity, private property, the rule of law, hard work, peaceful coexistence with our neighbors. All throughout the country, public places are named after George Washington, Martin Luther King, General Douglas MacArthur. At least that's what we used to do. Young and old people across the country are now being called racists, lest they publicly support the protest by Black Lives Matter, an anti-Semitic movement, can't talk about that either, that calls Israel an apartheid state, accuses its Jewish citizens of committing genocide, and supports the anti-Semitic boycott, divestment, and sanctions movement designed to destroy Israel. Our children are being indoctrinated with lies about that BLM organization is and what it is actually happening on America's streets. From lies about systemic police racism to the idea that the protesters are peaceful citizens with reasonable demands. In fact, even Nickelodeon and Sesame Street have joined the bandwagon of brainwashing our nation's youngsters. And if liberal education hasn't already done enough damage, leading to the ignorance we're watching play out across the country, now the New York Times 1619 Project is gaining traction as if rewriting history with lies and distortions about race relations in America is going to help the country in the divisiveness that's been playing out for years. It's bad enough that our youth are being indoctrinated through education. Radicalized parents and grandparents who never evolved after the 1960s and mainstream and social media. Some of our nation's leaders serve as perfect examples of the generation we've created. Mayor Bill de Blasio, whose radical past as a supporter of communist dictators, announced how proud he was of his daughter for being arrested in New York City. Keith Ellison, Minnesota's Attorney General and a former Deputy Chair of the Democrat National Committee, who has publicized his support of Antifa, including Facebook posts of him holding Antifa's manual, raised a son who serves on the Minneapolis City Council and who took to Twitter to, quote, declare officially his support for Antifa. Like father, like son, and daughter after all. But average Americans are also scrambling to outdo each other on social media, blatantly supporting a violent movement under the guise of social justice and civil rights. A poll conducted earlier this week indicates 64% of American adults are sympathetic to the protesters. Where in the world are those people getting their information? Apparently they're not watching video after video of mayhem and violence, including burned down businesses, violent attacks on police officers, trying to maintain law and order, bricks thrown at innocent people actually want to support the protests, business owners being beaten and murdered, and looting stores across the nation. No wonder Democrats and liberals are jumping on the opportunity presented by an ignorant and helpless electorate and calling for over $14 trillion of reparations in order to reward the perpetrators of the violence that has destroyed both black and white businesses across the country. What she means by that is the rioters. That has resulted in the murders of at least two black men, actually more, but that's, that's uh, the number as she was writing. Retired Officer David Dorn and Officer Patrick Underwood who were simply protecting themselves and others from anarchists. And that involves blaming Jews for George Floyd's death and resultant racism. 
And just to take the final page from the Palestinian playbook, Washington, D.C.'s radical mayor, Muriel Bowser, decided in her infinite wisdom to name the area in front of the White House Black Lives Matter Plaza. This is not a joke, and it can't be missed since she brought in artists to paint in massive bright yellow letters those exact words. The mayor believes that the violence across her streets, as well as much of America, and the perpetrators of much of that violence deserve honor and recognition as she turns the criminals into martyrs in the form of renaming several blocks of our nation's capital. And if that doesn't encourage violence, not only did Mayor Bowser throw the Utah National Guard flown in to protect the citizens of the city out of their hotel in an irresponsibly partisan and hateful move, the St. Louis prosecutor in charge of overseeing the crimes of protesters in her city decided to make sense to release them all back on the streets. Imagine if the BLM folks get their way and Democrat leaders actually do go ahead and defund police departments. To be clear, I am not calling every member of BLM a terrorist any more than I would call every Arab citizen in Israel a terrorist. And some people are trying to distinguish between the openly violent terrorists, Antifa, with the BLM movement, which at this point is a distinction without a difference. And when you watch the videos from the past weekend, it is clear that these groups have been indistinguishable and that BLM is an extremist group that promotes violence, hate, and anti-Semitism. Now, I should add, it's been pointed out that the Black Lives Matter movement has accused the Israeli IDF military of training the American police forces to be systemically racist against blacks. None of you have heard any of this, have you? It's not on Mediate, it's not on Media Matters, it's certainly not on the Drudge Report. None of you have heard any of this. None of you have seen any of this. It's not on CNN. It's not on MSNBC, NBC, ABC, CBS, New York Times, Washington Post, and it's not going to be. It's not on any of the ESPN channels, all 25 of them. Not discussed on any of the panels. It's just not an issue. Any more than black-on-black murder is. Now, let's all hide behind a phrase that means everything and nothing. Systemic racism. I'll be right back. Lovin. At Hillsdale College, faith and learning are integrated in pursuit of a common end. And I've been talking a lot about four pillars of the Hillsdale College mission. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. Today, I'd like to focus on faith. As the founders of our nation knew, God is indeed the first authority and the motive toward which all learning moves. Hillsdale understands that we come to really know things through reason and faith. And their students are taught to pursue truth through both. Founded in 1844 by Christians, students of all faiths are welcome at Hillsdale College and always have been. How does the college teach the essentials of the Christian faith and religion, all students must take a course, the Western theological tradition, as part of Hillsdale's rigorous core curriculum. The college also offers majors in religion, philosophy and religion, and Christian studies. Hillsdale's campus is a welcoming place in which to discuss and practice faith. Respectful dialogue among Christians of different denominations and with students of non-Christian faiths is just one hallmark of this stellar college. Now to learn more, visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levinforhillsdale.com. 
us a true tipping point, I believe. And just like all of you for the past few weeks, I've been talking and Zooming with, uh, with friends and the same question keeps popping up over and over. Is this the moment that will finally change our country? where people recognize systemic racism for the problem and the evil that it is. Oprah. Oprah. I think elites black and white and in between and around. I think maybe they're the real racists. They don't live in the communities they talk about. They don't send their children to the schools they talk about. They don't socialize with the people they talk about. Do they socialize with their fans? Do they socialize with their audiences? No, they're protected by the very cops that they detest. Do they live in your average community or even impoverished community? Of course not. Well, then are they systemically racist? I have to wonder. People say, I've had a bad encounter with a cop. You know, they stopped me for this, they stopped me for that. Nobody likes to be stopped by the cops. I don't like to be stopped by the cops either. But I have to say, in every instance, they were right. But Mark, you're not African-American. Okay, I'm a white guy. I'm a Jewish guy. Does that mean if somebody comes up to me and they're a Christian, and they say awful, awful things to me, that Christianity is systemically anti-Semitic? Or if I'm accosted by a brown person or a black person, does that mean that brown people and black people are systemically racist? Or if I get in the argument with an immigrant that is working at a particular store or what have you, does that mean that immigrants are systemically anti-Semitic? See, this, this is all so bogus, so outrageous. They are literally destroying the heart and soul of this country. They are literally sawing off the foundational pillars of this country. This isn't Martin Luther King. This isn't a civil rights movement. This is support for an insurrection. Now there's voting system isn't right because Stacey Abrams lost. Because in the inner city, the lines were long. I stand in lines all the time when I vote. What kind of projection is this? What kind of victimhood is this? Mark, that's your white privilege. Oh, sorry, I forgot. White pri- Always a vicious attack on character in order to end the debate, in order to end the discussion. In order to purify our society, you see. Ideologically. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, You know, my show, Life, Liberty, and Levin, it's only one hour, really 40 minutes. There's 20 minutes of commercials. That's a lot of commercials. On the uh, Fox News Channel, Sundays, 8 p.m. Eastern, obviously has a very resonating effect. I bring these very special, intelligent scholars on the program. And then I notice, after I do that, Mr. Producer, other people want to actually talk to them. This is important, I think, don't you? I consider it a service. The great Shelby Steele, who I admired for decades, has been on Life, Liberty, and Living twice. The great Bob Woodson, twice. And it's important that they show up on other shows on Fox. It would be even better if they would show up on other shows on MSNBC and CNN, but they'll never invite them. Ever. And so that's good. That the and I'm I'm quite serious that, that the that the other hosts on Fox are watching. It's too bad the other hosts on the other networks they're un, they're, they're, they're un, certainly watching aren't more curious or engaging and invite these guests on their programs. We're going to have another wonderful such program on Sunday with two other scholars that have received very little attention. But more on that later because it's already it's only Wednesday here. Um, I want you to... I'm looking for... I've lost my place here. Hold on. Oh, here we are. I want you to listen to this. This is what's going on, the browbeating, the indoctrination at every level of our society now. I tell you what, I I, I really am at the point where I wonder if we're going to survive this. We have to fight back. But they control all these institutions, we don't. And then they talk about systemic racism. Well, who runs these places? They do. The Democrats. But I want you to listen to Shannon Sharp, who's screaming at the top of his lungs, at Drew Brees, because Drew Brees' original tweet was a tweet that I certainly supported, where he says, I'll never take a knee for the flag or the national anthem. He talks about what it represents. He had, he had talked about how he had relatives in World War II and everything like that. But I want you to listen to the... And this is only 40 seconds of it. This, it went on by Shannon Sharp, a former football player. Now he's on... Uh, I guess it's Fox. And what's that sidekick of his, Skip something or other? Skip Bayless. What, what, a, what a, a, a slobbering, conniving buffoon that guy is. Listen to this. Go ahead. Even though they went overseas to fight for freedom, when they came home, they were not to enjoy that. And Drew Brees still doesn't seem to get it. Now, he issued apologies, Skip, but it's meaningless because the guys know that he spoke his heart the very first time around. Correct. Now, I don't know if I, I don't know what Drew's going to do, but he probably should just go ahead and retire now. He, it will never be the same. Take it from a guy that's been a leader in a locker room for a number of years. At every step, Skip, I've been the leader in a locker room. What he said, they're going to like, oh, yeah, you know. No, they will never look at him the same because he spoke his heart and Skip. The, and what he said, it wasn't what he said, it's how he said it. He was defiant. I will never. Mm-hmm. Respect the man. Even though Colin Kaepernick had told you what he was doing, Skip, and guess what? Even after all this, nobody had even mentioned the flag. 
He brought that up on his own. Drew, I don't know what you was thinking. I don't know what you hope to accomplish. But whatever you hope to accomplish, it failed miserably. Black people have been fighting for this country, even though they did not get the rights that the flag said. That, that flag, that skipped, I thought the flag meant something. See, I get the, the flag, you know, the, the cloth that wave in the wind as the wind blows, but it means something. It's supposed to mean something. It's supposed to mean everything for all people. Freedom, liberties. But if the black man doesn't have the same freedoms and liberty as the white, what good is the flag? Now, what, what freedom and liberty don't you have, Shannon Sharp, as the white? What are you talking about? What freedom and liberty don't you have as the white? Which one? I want to know, because I'll stand with you and fight it too. And you can bring all kinds of lawsuits under federal civil rights laws, under the federal constitution, most state civil rights laws and state constitutions. Which one are you talking about? See, Shannon Sharp acts like nothing's happened in this country. That nothing's happened since slavery. Nothing's happened since the Civil War. Nothing's happened since World War II. Nothing's happened in the civil rights era. Nothing's happened. But he won't even entertain listening to a Shelby Steele or a Bob Woodson or people who are thoroughly informed about these topics and have spent their entire lives studying them. As Shelby Steele said, we are the freest people on the face of the earth thanks to this country. And I don't just mean white people, I mean black people, he says. Can you hear the thunder in the background, Mr. Producer? Oh yeah, the bunker's under assault. Mother Nature. You're going to hear a lot more of it because there's a massive uh, lightning and thunderstorm rolling through the bunker. Or around the bunker. But I'll continue. But yelling at Drew Brees. Who said nothing wrong? He didn't make a racist comment. He didn't make a bigoted comment. What did he seek to achieve, Shannon Sharp said. Didn't seek to achieve anything, I don't think. He gave his opinion. You see, we all have a right to freedom of speech, Shannon. Now, Shannon, you're welcome on this show, too. I'd be happy to discuss this with you. Be thrilled. Not that clown uh, Zippy. What's his name? Zippity Duda. Dump that. Dump that. Not that. Not that clown. What is his name? What is his sidekick's name? Skip. Why can't I remember Skip? Skip Bayless. Skippy. I like Jif peanut butter, not Skippy. But that's a whole other story. So he says. Uh, We don't have the freedoms and the rights as the white. Well, which freedom and right are you talking about, Shannon? Which freedom and right do you want that you do not have? Now, there is often confusion in the phony intellectual elite on the left as well as others, about equality. Equality of income, equality of outcomes, and so that's not what equality means. Equality means equal justice under the law. 
But the justice system, you see, is systemically racist. Judges are systemically racist. Juries are systemically racist. Sentencing, systemically racist. Prisons are systemically racist. All of society... You know know what's never discussed, and I touched on this earlier? Again, I will point to Shelby Steele and Bob Woodson and so many... Glenn Lowry, if they even know who that is on ESPN. These are accomplished, brilliant African-American scholars. Everybody's not Cornell West or Michael Dyson. Personal responsibility, personal accountability. There is that too, with all the races. With all the races. I want to discuss police brutality with Shannon Sharp. I want to discuss systemic racism with Shannon Sharp. I want to discuss the murder rates in our inner cities and who is killing whom with Shannon Sharp. I want to discuss who controls these cities and these states with Shannon Sharp. I want to discuss where Shannon Sharp may live. I have no idea. I want to discuss where he has sent his kids to school. I want to discuss these things because I want to understand. But that that tongue lashing that Shannon Sharp gave Drew Brees, does that sound like somebody who wants to know anything? Or is somebody who's just beating his chest and screaming at the top of his lungs? And of course, Drew Brees, as we know, has buckled to the whole thing. He's capitulated, and he's even brought his wife. She's capitulated. This is happening in universities and colleges. Academic freedom is dead. Free speech is dead. Libraries are going through their books to see which books they should burn. Not literally, but certainly figuratively. Movies now are going to have to have little edits so they don't offend. Gone with the Wind. You know, Gone with the Wind, the book, was actually intended to expose the antebellum South. And racism in the antebellum South. Now... Now it's being treated as if it somehow endorsed it, which is an absurdity. This isn't a civil rights movement. This isn't about systemic racism. Unless people who keep talking about it who are enormously wealthy and famous are part of it because, tell me, is Skip Bayless systemically racist? No, he's different. Why? Because he agrees with me. That is Shannon Sharp. He's one of the good guys. You know what this is? I talked about it at the beginning. This is the French Revolution. As opposed to the American Revolution, it's the French Revolution. The American Revolution was a revolution based on basically the golden rule. To create a society, a more perfect society. Not a perfect society, a more perfect society, in which these principles were enshrined in the founding document, principles that have no connotation to race whatsoever, as Abraham Lincoln pointed out over and over and over again. And with all due respect, Abraham Lincoln did more 
for the African-American community than the NFL commissioner, Roger Goodell, or any of the players for that matter. And he loved the country. He loved the Declaration. He loved the Constitution. He did not believe that the American people were systemically racist. He did not believe the founders were systemically racist. He said over and over again, they're the ones who wrote the Declaration. They're the ones who adopted the Bill of Rights. I wonder if those people who are screaming the loudest can name the top five or ten battles in the Civil War. The top five. And that includes Roger Goodell. Or Greg Popovich. Or Steph Curry. Or anyone on CNN or MSNBC and all the rest of it. How many Union soldiers died? What were the casualties on the Union side? The overwhelming majority of whom were, may I say, white. How many? Or the Supreme Court of the United States that overturned past decisions of the Supreme Court of the United States, like Brown versus Board of Education in 1954, a 9-0 vote, all white justices. How about the 1957 Civil Rights Act? Systemically racist society, Shannon? 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation. 1865, the 13th Amendment, abolishing slavery. 1866 and 1871, the Civil Rights Acts. The Enforcement Act of 1870, the Force Act of 1871, the Anti-Klan Act and the Civil Rights Act of 1875. 1868, the 14th Amendment, which applies due process and equal protection to all citizens aimed at freed slaves. 1870, the 15th Amendment, guarantees the right to vote for all citizens, aimed at, again, the free slaves. 1954, Brown versus Board of Education, reversing Plessy. No more separate but equal is equal in our schools. Eight, in 1962, Bailey versus Patterson, ends desegregation in transportation. The 1964 Civil Rights Act prohibits discrimination in voting, public accommodation, public facilities, public education, federally assisted programs and employment, establishes the EEOC. Who does Shannon think these people are voting? They're our representatives. 1865, the Voting Rights Act, prohibited denial or restriction of the right to vote, forbids discriminatory voting practices nationwide. 1967, outlaws once and for all prohibitions in states against interracial marriage. And now one out of every five new marriages in America is an interracial marriage. Some systemic racism. 1953, Eisenhower eliminates discrimination in government contracting. He desegregates the federal government and the nation's capital. I said the 1957 Civil Rights Act. It created the Civil Rights Division in the Department of Justice. It created the Civil Rights Commission. 1957 and 59, Eisenhower ordered desegregation of Washington schools. Eisenhower sent in the 101st Airborne to stop Orville Forbes, who was threatening to prevent black students from going to a, a public school. 
The 82nd Airborne was sent in by subsequent presidents. I don't know what kind of civil rights battle Black Lives Matter and Antifa think they're fighting, but I will tell you this. None of those presidents, none of those Supreme Courts, none of those civil rights activists in the streets sought to overthrow the government of the United States. None of them said America was systemically racist. They were trying to deal with serious issues in a substantive way. And now we have all the tough guys who are not going to fight any war, who aren't going to go back into these communities dismissing everything that's come before and calling America systemically racist. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, you heard me talk about how important it is to have a VPN. Now that a lot of you are working from home, it's even more important to choose a VPN you can trust. Now, I do my research on my sponsors, and I only recommend brands to my listeners that I truly believe in. And I can say with full confidence that ExpressVPN is the best VPN on the market. Here's why. Number one, ExpressVPN doesn't log your data. Lots of really cheap or free VPNs make money by selling your data to ad companies. ExpressVPN developed a technology called Trusted Server that makes it impossible for their servers to log any of your information. Number two, speed. I've tried lots of VPNs in the past. Many slow your connection down or make your device sluggish. Well, something else that really sets VPN apart, it's really easy to use. One click, that's all it is. Protect yourself with the VPN I use and trust. ExpressVPN.com slash Mark. ExpressVPN.com slash Mark. You'll get an extra three months free on a one-year package. Hey, folks, if you're in trouble, if somebody is trying to harm you or your family or break into your house, who are you going to call? Shannon Sharp? Steph Curry? Greg Popovich? Oprah? Antifa? Black Lives Matter? I think you should. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.
says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Refinancing to consolidate debt is an attractive option for a variety of reasons. Makes debt payments more affordable and oftentimes it can help with building your credit. Now folks, mortgage rates continue to remain low, making it worth your while to consider a mortgage refinance. You can easily do so with help from my friends at American Financing. I recommend them because their mortgage consultants are only focused on your personal goals, so there's never any pressure. No upfront or hidden fees either. Just simple conversations and guidance. They know what they're doing because they've been around 20 years helping people just like you, like Mr. Producer, like my daughter and son-in-law. No special privilege needed. They treat everybody the same way, fantastically. And you can save up to thousands of dollars, or $1,000 a month, depending on your situation. Sometimes more. Plus, you don't have to restart your loan term, meaning you don't, you, you're, you're not paying interest on years that you don't need. Not every lender can do that, but American financing can. So make the 10-minute call now. You're probably figuring, you know, I do need to refinance. I want to get it down as low as I can. It's going to save me an enormous amount of money just by refinancing. Who do I call? Well, don't call Ghostbusters. Call American Financing and get your free mortgage review. Here's the number. 800, excuse me, check that. 888-900-1828. That's 888-900-1828. Or go online to AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing, NMLS, 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Now, I want you to listen to Jerry Nadler, who is the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. Because I want to make a point about this. Cut six, go. Every day, African Americans and other people of color live in fear of harassment and violence at the hands of some law enforcement officers. Actually, that's not what the statistics show at all. It shows that they live in fear of the hoodlums and crooks in their own communities. This war on law enforcement, ladies and gentlemen, is a war on our civil society. Black, white, brown, red, yellow, it doesn't matter. Do you understand what's taking place here? The Democrat Party and all its appendages, whether they're in sports or Hollywood, whether they're in academia, whether it's Antifa or Black Lives Matter, which now the Democrat Party and the media embrace, all of them are at war with law enforcement. And so they make outrageous statements like this. And let me tell you something that's absolutely true, particularly with more and more body cameras. Events like we saw uh, in Minneapolis are going to happen from time to time because there are bad cops. No matter how people try to create the perfect system, it can't be created. And so you don't destroy the entire country, burn down neighborhoods, and say we are systemically racist. There are 800,000 cops out there. There's a million lawyers out there. You have some people who are evil. And even if you have the best systems imaginable, you can't catch them all. So that doesn't mean it's an opportunity for violence, for radical change, for a new French Revolution. I was talking about the French Revolution. We'll start Nadler in a minute. 
but I want to get back to this. The American Revolution was about upholding certain human principles. It was about representative government. It was about self-government. It was about individual rights and liberty. The French Revolution was about destroying the society. The American Revolution was not about destroying our society. The French Revolution was about destroying French society. It had a long history of monarchy and feudalism and so forth and so on. Slavery. The French Revolution went on for 10 years. And the guillotines worked 24 hours, 7 days a week. They weren't real trials. You had basically a revolutionary council that would decide who lives and who dies. Allegations were made, and that typically was enough. And if you are an enemy or opponent or adversary of the revolution, of the perfecting of society, you needed to be killed. You needed to be eliminated. There was no opportunity to reason, to discuss, to do, No. The revolution's too important. We've got to eliminate, eliminate all those who oppose the perfect society. For 10 years, there was massive, massive murder. Then they turned on each other. They began killing each other. Because, you see, some revolutionaries just weren't revolutionary enough. Now, without going through the entire French history, because much of it is quite boring, but nonetheless, the result was Napoleon, a dictator, military dictator. Edmund Burke, I know this doesn't matter to the NFL commissioner. I know this doesn't matter to Oprah. I know it doesn't matter to Antifa, but I'm talking to you. Edmund Burke supported the American Revolution, even though the Parliament and the King did not. He detested the French Revolution as an attack on the civil society. The French Revolution was the precursor to various communist revolutions all around the world, which have as their purpose, and I read from the Communist Manifesto to you last week out of Ameritopia, the elimination of the existing society, the destruction of the status quo. Any issue is to be exploited. You must destroy the family. You must destroy belief in faith. You must destroy destroy education. You must destroy communications. You must destroy private property rights. And you must destroy the existing, I guess, establishment. And I don't mean political establishment. I mean the people who stand in the way. That's why you see tens of millions of people murdered by Lenin and Stalin. Tens of millions of people murdered by Mao. And still going on. 
tens of thousands murdered by Castro. Every one of these communist revolutions, extremely violent. And they go on and on and on because you need to eliminate your enemies. Because here's the thing. You can't have the perfect society and have fascism, communism, or any kind of totalitarianism. It won't work. So society can never be reformed. Ever. I know the mindset of Antifa. I know the mindset of Black Lives Matter. I know the mindset of of, uh, uh, Professor West. Cornell West. I, I, I know who they are. I know what they think. I've read the same books. And so the next time an incident of this sort or similar occurs, and it will... Not because America is systemically racist, not because the police forces are systemically racist. It's because it's impossible to prevent evil in every form and way when you're talking about 800,000 cops or two and a half million teachers or several thousand of athletes. It's just impossible. Moreover, certain lives for the revolutionaries are more important than other lives. We've seen black people murdered throughout this riot period. They do not get the sympathy, the attention, the compassion, nor do their families that George Floyd got. Why? I thought we believed in equality. Their names are not spoken on ESPN. Their names are not spoken by Shannon Sharp and uh, what's-his-face? Yippee-yap? Bayless? They're not discussed at any length, let alone mentioned. Why is that? I looked at LeBron James's tweets. They're painful. Nothing. 18 human beings murdered in 24 hours in Chicago the other day. Nothing. Sports programs all over radio and TV, nothing. Commentators, many of whom, if not most of whom, are African American, say nothing. Nothing, not a word. Not a word about them by the chairman of the Judiciary Committee today. Nothing. Or the 13 murdered in 36 hours in New York City? Nothing. Not a word. Jerry Nadler, cut six, go. This is their reality. Our country's history of racism and racially motivated violence, rooted in the original sin of slavery, continues to haunt our nation. And to those who do not believe it... So I have two questions for Jerry Nadler. Why are you there? You live in a community that is increasingly uh, a minority population. I'm quite serious about this. Why are you filling that seat? White privilege. Why are you preventing somebody who's a minority like AOC defeated a white guy? Why are you still there? My second question for Nadler. If this is true. 
you're chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. What have you been doing for three years? What's he been doing for three years, Mr. Producer? Trying to throw out the President of the United States. He hasn't been focused on the inner cities. He hasn't been focused on uh, systemic racism. How many hearings has he held on systemic racism? It's such a big problem. I don't know of any. If he did, the systemically racist media hasn't been covered. If, if you have systemic racism in a society, you're the old South Africa. This is a huge, huge problem. And for three years, I haven't heard crap from the media. For three years, I hadn't heard crap from the chairman of the House Judiciary Committee. I've heard crap from the Senate Judiciary Committee. Nothing from Schumer, nothing from Pelosi, nothing from any of these a-hole mayors. Not a word. I didn't see anything on ESPN about it for three years. Nothing. Maybe it was two years. But it's systemic, meaning it's all around us in every institution. There's no escaping it. It's systemic. Well, where have they all been? Where have they all been? They've been nowhere. Nowhere. I hate it when the people of this country are treated this way. All the people, regardless of race, background, creed, and all the rest of it. We are Americans. When you attack the flag, you attack the national anthem, you attack our founding, you attack who we are. How about a few shows on the great things Americans have done with one another and for each other? Where are those shows? Where are those news reports? Where are those sportscasters? Where are those athletes? Where's Hollywood? Where's Oprah? No, because that doesn't work. That doesn't work. That's not the narrative. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Censorship and purging on TV and movies and books. Putting the scarlet letter on the heads and the careers of individuals in sports, in academia, in broadcasting. We are headed in a very, very bad direction. This is totalitarianism. The same people who are screaming about equality, and I don't mean African Americans. I mean the same people, all of them. Any of them were screaming about equality, systemic racism, systemic oppression, seek to replace this system, not to reform institutions. That'll never be enough. 
but to destroy them and replace them with what? Obviously, their mindset, not every, but too many, is totalitarian. Many of these people will not criticize Antifa, which is a, an armed militia group. They will not criticize Black Lives Matter because of the name, even though it's a violent, anti-Semitic, anti-American organization. Why? The rioters, they pretend they don't exist. So most of the protesters were peaceful, you know, but a lot of them weren't. Nobody's condemning peaceful protesters. We're condemning the violence. Well, the peaceful protesters. Then we saw how other people were treated two weeks before when they weren't trying to tear down the country. They were demanding their rights. They wanted their jobs and businesses and their lives back. And they were condemned. They were called racists and dangerous to their communities. Mentally unhinged. And this is by the media. There are ways to unite this country. There's ways for serious reform in, in many of our communities. We can always improve ourselves and improve our institutions, but that's not what we're talking about here. Condemning the American people as a group, condemning the founding, condemning our institutions, and to quote the great Oprah Winfrey, what do we demand? I'll tell you what I demand. Nobody should have two point. You know, I can play this game. She's worth $2.6 billion and has multiple mansions. How about this? Nobody should get more than a million dollars a year, and the rest of the money should go into the inner cities to help poor kids, to help feed people, to help house people. I wonder how many in the NBA would support that, Mr. Producer. I wonder how many in the NFL, I wonder how many commissioners would support this. I wonder how many actors and actresses would support that. Or Oprah. You live off a million dollars. We have determined that's enough. You don't need three, four, five, six mansions. You don't need a, a, a collection of Lamborghinis and so forth, LeBron. And it's not just him. Steph Curry. I can go on and on. And all the rest of the money will go for the causes that you claim to support. What do you say? You want to join me? Of course they don't. Of course they don't. The revolution, you see, isn't about them. They're cool. They're well-meaning. They're not bigots. It's everybody else. They're the ones that need to be retrained. They're the ones that need to know how to speak. They're the ones that need to know how to be educated. They're the ones that got to follow the Pied Piper. No, 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 no. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. 
Now, broadcasting from, from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. As you've been hearing all day, and unfortunately in the network news that I have to listen to, there are certain military forts that are named after certain Confederate officers, as I understand it. It's not something I've really thought about, but it's become an issue today. And the president has tweeted, I'm not changing the names of these forts. These forts, even beyond the names of these Confederate officers, have a different meaning to the men and women who have served there, who've gone overseas, who have fought for our country. And they're proud of these forts. But here's my question to you. How did this suddenly become an issue today? And why are they trying to attach Donald Trump to the names of these forts and trying to put him on the spot whether or not he'll remove the names of these forts? Why is General Petraeus now out there saying we should remove the names of these forts? Where's he been? I mean, I could have sworn that Barack Obama and Joe Biden were running the executive branch from 2008 to 2016. I could have sworn. Not once were they asked about these forts. Not once were they asked about the, the names of these forts. Not once were they asked if we should remove the names of these forts. Not once were they put on notice that they must rename the names of these, uh, remove the names of these forts. Our first black president. Our first mentally challenged vice president. Well, maybe not, but certainly among them. This wasn't even an issue for eight years. Nothing was said. Not a word. Now, if the names of these forts are offensive, why are they offensive today, but they weren't offensive three and a half years ago? Four years ago? If we must remove the names of these forts, what happened in three and a half years? That compels us to remove the names of these forts. They are trying to destroy this president. They are trying to destroy him as a human being. They are creating one trap after another. He's responsible for, what did, what about 60,000 deaths under the coronavirus. How, how sickening and exploitive. There's looting and there's rioting in Democrat cities that control the the police for it. Suddenly that's Donald Trump. He hasn't been compassionate enough. He didn't give the right speech. Look at him with a photo. What does Donald Trump have to do with this? I don't take them at the word, but let's pretend systemic societal racism. Donald Trump showed up in Washington, D.C. three and a half years ago. He was in the private sector. He wasn't in charge of anything. If we've had a systemic racism, how is it that the first black president got elected? And how is it that he didn't do a damn thing about it? He didn't even talk about it much that I can remember. Let alone his dumb sidekick, that schmo Joe Biden. 
So now the military bases are controversial. We've got to go through society and strip names and faces off of buildings, out of books, out of movies. Why? That's our history. The good, the bad, and the ugly. That's the history. It won't be long. You mark my words that every slave-owning founder will be brushed out of history, broomed out of history. And their monuments removed. You watch. You better hold on there, Mount Vernon. Monticello, the Lincoln Monument, which is already desecrated. The Jefferson Memorial, better hold on. You're next. Even Robert E. Lee's home. Where Arlington Cemetery is. Better hold on. Because nothing is to be revered and nothing is sacred anymore. Just ask the New York Times of the 1619 Project. Just read the tweets from our fabulously wealthy athletes. And their mouthpieces in the sports media. Just read the tweets coming out of Brentwood and Beverly Hills and Santa Monica. Just read the tweets coming from tenured professors, corporate executives. We're no damn good. Now, these are people who live in the lap of luxury, telling us the country's no damn good. But it is amazing how these things transpire, isn't it? Right before a general election, all of a sudden, these forts are controversial. The names are controversial. People who didn't even know what the names were, who these names were, they had no idea. Now it's a must. Remove the names if you believe in equality and justice. But I believed in equality and justice when Obama was president. Stop bringing up Obama. It's Trump. Trump's the guy. Did you see Trump's tweet about the 75-year-old man who was pushed out? This is what we're getting. 18 people are murdered in Chicago in one night, one day. 13 and 36 hours in New York. And the media are following the president's tweets. That's what they're upset about. They're leading the war on the cops. They're leading the war on the country, on society. They are the enemy of the people. What name shall we give these forts? Is there a people's council to which we submit the names, the new names for the forts? Is there a people's council to whom we can submit the list of publications and books that we wish to show in our public libraries? Is there a people's council that will review the movies, old and new, before we let them see the light of day again? Or television shows? Is there a people's council to make the decision for the people? Will they have a guillotine? How will they enforce their rules? We must root out systemic fill-in-the-blank. We must. I really feel sorry for our children today, all of our children. We really are a rainbow 
of ethnicities, colors, creeds, religions, backgrounds, and so forth. We, we are a tremendously diverse society, a magnificent society, and there are people who just want to destroy us, either out of ignorance or out of self-promotion. They don't wish to improve anything. So now it's the forts. They must change their name. We've gone through the, the different sports teams. The last one standing, I suppose, is the Washington football Redskins. That won't stand for long. He'll have to capitulate at some point. He'll be brought before the People's Council. Snyder. Maybe we should look at newspaper names and decide if they're, if they're acceptable to us. And so we've gone from liberty to tyranny. And it didn't happen overnight. It's been building, but the sudden crush of it has happened virtually overnight. And their primary goal, number one, right now, is what, Mr. Producer? To defeat Trump in November. That's the primary goal. It's not because of his tweets, ladies and gentlemen. It has nothing to do with his tweets. The left has put up with a hell of a lot more and covered up a hell of a lot more when it comes to presidents and their politicians. Whether it's Chappaquiddick, whether it's wiretaps, whether it's uh, adultery with an intern or adultery with an East German spy, whether it's using the IRS against your political... The, the left has a high tolerance level for tyranny and totalitarianism as long as it advances their agenda. Tweets are a joke. Mr. President, when you tweeted this, did you... This is the level of our media today. They don't talk about China's threat, Iran's threat, North Korea. You don't even hear about it anymore. Immigration is not an issue anymore? No. Do they care about all the people who've been unemployed as a result of the... Don't even discuss it. Don't even bring it up. They didn't ask the president, or I should say the press secretary today, what are we going to do for the people, the innocent store owners, many of whom are minorities, that saw their stores burned to the ground or everything out of them looted? Do you realize that question has not been asked to the extent I've been watching this? What are we going to do with the cops? My God, these cops, I tell you. They're the grave threat, the cops. But the statistic, don't tell me, I heard Shannon Sharp. That guy knows what he's talking about. Don't tell me, Jerry Nadler. Jerry Nadler actually focused for 30 minutes on systemic racism before he gets back to impeaching Trump again before the election. You know, it's a good thing I eat dinner after this show, Mr. Producer, because going through these clips and these articles, I guarantee you, I wouldn't be able to keep it down. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Well, you know, we can get into the defunding movement, ladies and gentlemen, and the BDS movement. I think we should defund many of these universities and colleges because they're killing this country. I think we should defund any of our dollars that go towards tenured Marxist professors. Let's defund. As you know, I'm leading a BDS movement against professional sports that gets involved, that get involved in politics. So I will not be participating in any respect. On cable TV, on network TV, the purchase of any items that have anything to do with the NFL or the NBA. Now, I, I gave up on the NBA a few years ago, but the NFL now breaks my heart, but I'm not going to participate in their smears of me and my family and my ancestors. That ain't happening. That commissioner needs to resign. But he can't. He won't. The politics won't allow it. So you and I, we need to start putting together a list of what we want to defund and what we want to use BDS for too. Some of these cable channels are so disgusting. Have you watched them? Just appalling, really, on so many levels. The, the, the dishonesty, the lack of integrity. A friend of mine just wrote me, African-American. Mark, as you know, I was stationed at Fort Bragg and proud of it. That name is synonymous with the home of the airborne. No one thinks of the Confederate general it's named after. No, 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 you don't understand. The media do. The Democrat Party does. So the fact that you served there as a minority and that name didn't trigger you, it didn't even relate to the fact that it was named after a Confederate general, but it is synonymous with the home of the airborne, that's not good enough. And now they'll cite David Petraeus. Petraeus says, take it down. Okay, who cares? Will anybody go to Barack Obama and confront him on this? Nobody. The Praetorian Guard protects him. The People's Council is not about Democrats and liberals, rich athletes and broadcasters, rich members of Hollywood, tenure, no, no, no. The People's Council is there for we the people to punish us, to defame us. 
what's happening to this country is a horrible, horrible disgrace. You know, as, as, as I'm thinking about this right here, it's time to purify society. Purges, censorship, right? But the one entity which must forever remain is the Democrat Party. Right, Mr. Producer? Was the Democrat Party that supported slavery? Was it the Democrat Party that supported segregation? It's the Democrat Party that runs these cities and states. But we're never to purge the Democrat Party. We're never to uh, purify ourselves with the Democrat Party. Throw it out. Never utter the name again. Don't let it cross your lips. It's the one thing. Pull down the monuments. Rename the military bases. Burn the books. Censor the movies and TVs. But one of the great forces behind slavery and racism, the Democrat Party, the vast majority of those who talk about systemic racism are Democrats and vote for Democrats. It's a power thing, you see. It's a power thing. Today it's race. Tomorrow it'll be the environment again. You know how it moves around. After that, it'll be uh, democratic socialism. Whatever it is, it is. But we all know one thing. The Democrat Party must win elections. It must remain in control. And Donald Trump must be destroyed. This is the common thread. And if you are not energized to vote in this election, if you are not energized to make sure your family members vote in this election, if you are not energized to be the voluntary indirect precinct worker to make sure family, friends, colleagues, and neighbors vote, then we are going to get the kind of government we deserve. And it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. Because it's the Democrat Party. The one vestige of slavery and racism and segregation that's more powerful than ever before. Why don't they at least change their name? I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Making sure... 
the land of the free, and the home of the brave stays that way. Dial Mark Levin now at 877-381-3811. Well, it's a pleasure to uh, have uh, Representative Mike Johnson on the program. I think this is your first time, right, Congressman? Are you there, sir? It, it is, Mark. It is, yeah. Mark. It's hard to believe I'm a big fan. I so appreciate your work. Thank you. Thank you. It won't be painful, I promise. It can be very easy. <laughs> um, look, you're doing something that's very important to me, and I think the vast majority of the Americans uh, who are patriotic and listening to this program. Iran is a mortal enemy. We know it because they keep telling us this. And they're desperately trying to build uh, long-range uh, ICBMs with, uh, with nuclear tips on them, Clearly not na- aimed, n- intended for the neighborhood, but intended to be able to threaten and blackmail us. You want to take, you want to take this another level and try and confront this regime with the very, very severe sanctions in order to protect us. Tell us about this. We, we do. I, I chair the Republican Study Committee, and as you probably know, RSC is the largest caucus of conservatives in Congress. We have 148 members in the House, all the conservatives, and, and we're really. Uh, serious about this threat that Iran poses. This week, we're rolling out the RSC National Security Strategy. It's a publication that includes over 130 very serious policy proposals. Many of these focus on China, Russia, and Iran, because we see those as the biggest threats to our, our national security, and and, uh, and they're really big issues for all the American people. Look, we know Iran is not a great power. They're not a strategic competitor, but they, they clearly present a significant challenge to us. They're a rogue regime where they're backed by a, a military and intelligence apparatus, and, and, and they're the world's leading state sponsor of terrorism. I mean, you know they've given aid and comfort to Hamas and Hezbollah and al-Qaeda and the Taliban and all these Iranian-backed terrorist militias. And some of that has been funded by U.S. taxpayer dollars. And mm. so we are trying to back up President Trump and his heart stance against Iran, and we're proposing what we believe is the really the toughest sanctions on Iran ever proposed by Congress. First of all, uh, Congressman, I want to tell you thank you because you did a superb job during this impeachment process. I remember how uh, well-informed and articulate you were. So that's uh, I, I want to mention that, too. Um, if people want to read about this Republican Study Committee proposal, and yes, it's a, it's a wonderful group, is there a website they can go to? Yeah, if they just Google Republican Study Committee, it'll come up, but you can go to rsc-mikejohnson.house.gov and since I'm the chairman, it's kind of housed under that. We trade it around that way. But this is a—I think it would be a great read for a lot of people. It's lengthy because I said we got 130 proposals here, but we've been working for a year and a half on on this task force and many others within RSC to develop a menu of policy proposals. You know, we have to say what we're for as conservatives, and uh, we're never going to be caught flat-footed. And what we're trying to produce is a playbook, Mark, that we can use when we are returned to the majority in the House to really govern again. And, and, and we're putting it out there for people to see. Uh, this, this, this position on Iran is really, really important to every American, whether they recognize it or, or not. I mean, this is an adversary. This is a rogue nation. They have an agenda to wipe Israel off the map and, and to bring death to America. And it's not just words. I mean, the, the supposedly moderate president, Hassan Rouhani, explained recently, he said, quote, saying death to America is easy. We need to express death to America with action. I mean, th- this is not the, the language of, of an ally or anyone that should be taken lightly like the previous administration did. And we're so grateful that President Trump has stepped up to um, to, to really really fulfill the old Reagan doctrine that we all believe in. It's, it's, we maintain peace through our strength. What are some of the things that, that you all are proposing? 
Well, we, we want to double down on what President Trump has been able to achieve. We want to propose some new tough uh, sanctions on, on many sectors of the Iran economy, automotive, petrochemical, construction sectors, because you have to hit them where they, where they hurt. If you deplete their resources, they will not be able to fund terrorism and wage war. And that's an important thing. We, we want to codify uh, many of these important executive orders that President Trump has proposed uh, re- regarding uh, human rights sanctions on Iran. You know, we support the Iranian people. This is not against the people. They're the victims of this regime. And, and, and as you've seen, we've had the biggest pro-democracy protest in Iran since 1979, just, just within the last year. And that mm-hmm. is because the Trump administration has this maximum pressure campaign. That's the result. So we need to do more of that and, and, and have serious sanctions on Iran's government-run mouthpiece, the Islamic Republic of Iran broadcasting, which is air force confessions through torture and, and all of that. And, and we want to go after their regional allies as well, because they're creating lots of hijinks in, in the area. There's a lot of work to be done, and we have, to, we have to get about that work, and Congress has a real role in this. Here's what concerns me. If we don't win the presidency, all of this goes away, because the Democrats have been not just accommodationists, not just appeasers, but have actually provided aid and comfort to this regime over the years. They, the regime desperately wanted the Iran deal. Joe Biden's talking about reinstituting it somehow. Uh, and so all the hard work the administration has done, you guys have done, will all go up in a puff of smoke, and Iran will become much more powerful. I suspect they're rooting for the Democrats this election. But doesn't this concern you? It concerns us greatly. That's why we're trying to step in this arena and have people deeply and carefully consider these issues. I mean, look, the, the Iran deal, the Obama administration's deal they negotiated, it, it gave Iran over $100 billion in frozen assets. And former Secretary of State John Kerry frankly admitted they, they knew it would be used by the regime to fund terrorism. I mean, it was a disaster. It had, of course, the opposite effect of what they claimed they were trying to achieve there, and, and uh, it, it, it empowered Iran. So we have to take exactly the, the opposite approach. And, and look, as you've said so many times, Mark, the stakes in this election could not be higher. I mean, we are in a battle right now for the very future of our republic. And the principles that we all believe in, you know, we define them as conservative principles, but these are American ideals, quintessential. You know, the ideal of individual liberty and limited government and the rule of law, and peace through strength and fiscal responsibility, free markets, human dignity. These are the things that define who we are as a nation, and they are imperiled at this moment. And we have to get everybody engaged. This is not a game. I mean, this is for the literal future of the country, and we have to remember that. Well, Representative Mike Johnson, I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate you coming on, and we'd love to have you back. I'd love to do it, Mark. Thanks so much for what you do. And God bless. Take care of yourself. One of the things I want to talk about as the, as the fires dim and the smoke clears in our cities, as the protesters go back home to mommy and daddy, go back to college, go back to Starbucks, as the criminals uh, hide in the shadows, as Antifa and Black Lives Matter go back to their basements to organize their next violent attack on their fellow Americans. As basketball players go back to playing basketball, football players go back to playing football, and all of them go back to being hypocrites and much worse. 
I want to talk to you because you're a special audience, and I'm blessed to have you more and more, about what's taking place with respect to our allies in Israel. Not for three hours a day, but for five or ten minutes. And you can say, Mark, what are you talking about now? Those of you who are believers in the Bible, whether you're a Orthodox Jew or whether you're an Evangelical Christian or whether you're a, a practicing Catholic, whatever, those of you who believe in the Bible, for Gentiles you call the part that I'm talking about is the Old Testament. There is an opportunity despite everything else that's going on. An opportunity in the Middle East that we've never seen in our lifetimes and we will never see again in our lifetimes. The President of the United States has developed a peace plan that enables the State of Israel right of return to a small percentage of its ancient homeland. Parts of Judea, where Judaism gets its name, that's the birthplace, and parts of Samaria. The New York Times, in addition to trying to cover up the Holocaust, did a hell of a good job of it, has been anti the state of Israel for a very long time. I've explained it many times, but that's not the point of this discussion. And as the New York Times, so go the rest of the media. So the Washington Post, they're all very anti-Israel, very hateful towards Israel. But the Palestinians, who you will not find in the Bible or the Old Testament, claim these areas. Based on what? Based on nothing. The Jordanian monarchy which is a completely fictional presence, a concoction. You won't find that in the Bible either. Seized Judea and Samaria, called it its West Bank, and controlled it for 19 years, until the Six-Day War in 1967. The Palestinians have claimed all of those areas, the ancient Jewish areas, plus all the rest of Israel. There are approximately 85 Jewish families left in Hebron. You know who's buried in Hebron, among others? Abraham. The Palestinians say Abraham is their prophet. The Palestinians control 80% of the landmass in the town of Hebron. The IDF is there to protect the remaining 85 Jewish families. You know why there's only 85 Jewish families? Because some time ago, the Palestinians came in and slaughtered the Jews. If this is upsetting certain people, then change the channel. You've heard of Bethlehem? You've heard of Jesus Christ? Bethlehem is now majority Palestinian. The Palestinians control through population, Bethlehem. You've heard of the second temple and the Temple Mount? 
What the Muslims did there is they built a mosque on the Temple Mount. Jews are not able to freely visit the Temple Mount. You'll see many praying at the western wall of the second temple that was destroyed by the Romans. The first capital of the Jews was a little place called Shiloh. The Palestinians claim it as their own. And I can go on and on about the rewrite of ancient biblical history by the left, by the Palestinians, and so forth and so on. So this peace plan that the president put together is quite a brilliant peace plan. It says, you know, the Palestinians can have their state in five years if they meet certain basic conditions, like stop killing Jews, stop terrorism, stop giving pensions and stipends to people who kill Jews, recognize Israel as the Jewish state that it is, and on and on. But the Palestinians won't do it, and they're never going to do it. So there won't be a Palestinian state. And this has liberals in this country, particularly the Democrat Party, very angry. They want to impose a Palestinian state in the area of that part of the, of the world, and they claim that that will bring peace. Tell me, has the Gaza Strip that was surrendered to the Palestinians, is that brought peace, or did that bring Hamas and missiles? And will this Palestinian state <clears throat> have its own air force? Will it be able to... Uh, to put a missile system in, paid for and bought for by the Syrians and the Iranians, aimed at Tel Aviv and Jerusalem? How about nukes? Will they be able to have those too? They call this annexation, that the peace plan provides for annexation. The Jews can annex 30% approximately of, of Judea and Samaria, where a half a million Jews live. It's not annexation. It's right of return. It's sovereignty. And the other 70% pretty much can be used by the Palestinians. They say no. When we return, I'll tell you why I'm raising this, because it's quite shocking. I'll be right back. Mark AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Now, we took the break. I was explaining to you, in part, what's taking place 
in, uh, in Israel and around Israel. Now the forces are aligning against this. Uh, they are lobbying the White House, the European Union, of course, the UN, Jordan, the pro-Palestinian elements in our own country, and the Democrat Party. 19 Democrat senators wrote a letter objecting. Nancy Pelosi and many of her members objecting. Not a single Republican that I'm aware of. Maybe Rand Paul. So what's happened now? APAC, which self-proclaims itself as the largest American Jewish organization that promotes American and Israel relations, has just informed the enemies of this peace deal that as far as they concern they are free to object to quote unquote the annexation of these lands by Israel are you kidding me what kind of a organization is this APAC it's a Democrat Party organization. It is disgusting. It's a disgrace. It's in the back hip of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's pockets. That's exactly what it is. More on them and more on this in the days ahead. God bless each and every one of you. Be safe. I'll see you tomorrow. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. 